Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Happy back to school, Art Smart Parents. As our kiddos get back to the classroom and the routines of school life, I wanted to bring on some guests that will help you to transform not only your child experience at school, but how you can help them at home create an environment for them to be successful. And today's guests knows a thing or two about design and how design can really enhance your child's learning experiences. Magalie Renee Hayes creates beautiful spaces for a better world. She takes a unique approach to design that combines holistic ideas, scientific research, and social good to create spaces that improve lives. Magalie is founder of Kid Smart Spaces, helping parents and educators inspire smarter, happier, healthier children, and is a speaker on topics including interior design, personal growth, transitioning careers, school design, and creating a balanced home. In 2008, Magalie leveraged 15 years of project management, marketing, and design experience to segue to the nonprofit world at Philanthropic Powerhouse, the Ford Foundation. Inspired by their headquarters in one of New York City's oldest green buildings, she launched Kid Smart Spaces in 2012 and has been transforming learning spaces ever since. Magalie works on a variety of residential, commercial, and institutional projects in the New York tri-state area, Los Angeles, and Arizona. She's been featured in Dr. Oz, The Good Life, and Housekeeping Magazines. Well, it's my great pleasure to welcome you to the show, Magalie. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Magalie, can you share your story about how you got into designing Kid Smart Spaces? Sure. I have always been a creative person, and in my previous career, I was doing communications, but I was also uh, looking into a lot of, I had a lot of different hobbies, one of which was redesigning homes, uh, spaces for friends, for families, for myself. And uh, I was working at the Ford Foundation when I decided to really look into, take a, take a deeper look into interior design. I started supporting a friend of mine and, and working with her. She's a feng shui architect. Um, and began doing work with her on the side. And simultaneously, I got a request from my sister, uh, who was working as a teacher and an educator at a school at that time, a charter school. She asked if I could come in and meet with her boss, who was looking to redesign their school spaces. And that ended up uh, sort of catapulting me into exactly the right career. It was sort of kismet, the right time, the right career, um, the right opportunity. And I 
took a big chance on myself at that time because I was, my response to her was, no way can I do this. I've never done this in the past. I'm not ready for this. But she was like, just come in and talk to him. So I took a big chance and sort of went in there, set the fear aside, um, had a great conversation with the, the director of operations at that time at this charter school. Um, and it, one thing sort of led to another and he asked me to send him a proposal and I began working on that school. Um, and at the same time, I was uh, basically teaching myself AutoCAD. Uh, and while I was teaching myself, I was working on this project and recreating the spaces of the school. Um, and that then built into or led into my uh, moving to Los Angeles from New York and uh, starting at UCLA and studying interior design there. And since then, I have been really focused on, this is kind of my heart work. I've been really focused on working with schools and redesigning them. Um, and in between that, I've been doing high-end residences. So it's a kind of an interesting <laughs> dichotomy. You know, I'm like working at the Hollywood Hills or I did a home in Aspen, uh, supporting another interior designer and sort of doing that and then being able to apply a lot of those things uh, or combine them with the research and the interest that I have in really changing school spaces and really in inspiring uh, educators and teachers and uh, students in creating spaces that sort of, yeah, get them going, keep them engaged. So yeah, that's a long story. <laughs> well, and I'm so glad we connected at this time too, since everyone's sort of excited about back to school. Kids are gonna be spending increasing time in their classrooms. They're gonna be spending more time at home having to study. So why is the design of a classroom so important for kids and learning? I think people underestimate the impact and effect of environment um, and spaces on so many things, um, one being health, the other being uh, joy, another being wellness, um, so health and wellness, and also on the way children learn um, and how they take in information. So uh, environment really is very connected to the way that we think, the way we feel, the way we act, um, and the way children in particularly learn, in particular learn. Um, so that's why it's important, yeah. So Megalie, you mentioned joy in a classroom space and not everybody may equate joy with learning. So how does a, a well-organized classroom or a well-designed classroom lend itself to creating more joy? I think uh, joy is an interest, it's, it's my use of term and I think it's an interesting term. Most people maybe wouldn't uh, associate joy with learning, but they might think of a word like mindfulness. Um, anything that counters stress or anxiety. So mindfulness, calm, focused, peace. When your spaces are organized, when you have thought through the way the classroom is laid out in such a way that doesn't cause confusion and is very clear, when you have focal points in the room. So for instance, not just you know, I think there's a tendency to, to put a lot of information on all the walls and have a lot of learning aids sort of everywhere you look. But that can actually cause like a cluttered way of thinking or a lack of, of clarity around what should I focus on right now. And so creating a space that's like a focal point that's maybe a moving wall, right? So information you're putting up when you're doing a certain specific lesson and taking down. So really like thinking about the spaces in terms of uh, layout, 
um, that's efficient and creates a flow in a space, thinking about organization and making sure that you everything has its place, which is such a cliche, but it's very true. And then also things, elements that you can bring in to really create a sense of calm and of mindfulness. Now that could be uh, an aquarium that actually lowers uh, blood pressure significantly and uh, creates a sense of calm and relaxation. Having plants in a space that increases the capacity to be productive and to learn by about 17%. Um, considering the colors in a space, uh, blues and greens are ideal for learning. Um, not having strong, vibrant shades of color, um, but being in the more, the lighter shades. That, for instance, is another element that brings a sense of calm, a sense of mindfulness, a sense of focus, and by default then associates joyfulness with learning. Another tip that I have actually uh, mentioned to parents, it's a great way to bring this into their home learning spaces, is uh, bringing in like images or photos of your child at, on vacation or doing something they love so that they associate their learning spaces with joy and with fun and with doing things that they enjoy. Um, and I brought that into school spaces also in the hallways, having pictures of the students and the teachers or, you know, moments of them and being really excited or a gym or when they were doing a dance program or whatever it is, having that line the hallways so that it really brings in a sense of that joy into their learning space. You've just shared so much great information. I just want I <laughs> to dive into a few of those specific things. Before we had this interview today, we, we chatted a bit about, about this idea of plants and the staggering fact that you said 17% increase in learning capacity with mm -hmm. plants in the room. Can I want to get the exact, I want to get the exact number for you. I'm going to confirm that before the end of this call, but I believe it's 17%. Well, and that is huge because it's something that I think every parent, every teacher, every administrator, that's such a simple little tip that can increase learning capacity. That's huge. Absolutely. I actually just pulled it up. So in, in an ebook that I wrote. So uh, plants can actually improve memory retention by up to 20%. And in a learning, uh, in a learning setting, they improve spelling, science, and math scores. They've been, it's been studied that it's improved it by 14%. So That's incredible. Really incredible. It's really incredible. And so does that mean that you're filling the classroom with tons and tons of plants? Or I mean, how many would be ideal to you know, get closer to that 14 or 20%? Essentially, all things in moderation. So we don't want to create anything. Any, an excess of anything creates ultimately clutter, even if it doesn't look like it subconsciously, it, it may. Um, so I'd say like two or three plants scattered at different different areas of the room, dependent upon how large the size of the space is. If you're at home, then one plant on the desk is fine, maybe a hanging plant near near their, their desk, or if it's their bedroom, maybe it's a, a tree, like a, a potted tree, you know? But yeah, that's absolutely, not too many, but not too few, but somewhere, somewhere in between, that really is a balance. Um, and also having them, having the children be actively involved in the caretaking of the plant, also is a real boost to many things. One, self-esteem, you know, feeling like they're caring for something and they have a role in responsibility. It gives them a sense of value. Um, 
And also, I, I have actually termed this my mindfulness. It's like a three-minute mindfulness makeover. So before, this could be a really great way to start the homework session or the studying session is, hey, we're going to water the plants, and then we're going to sit down and focus and do our homework. So it's kind of like a calming way to, to ground them before they enter the space of working in focus. And I think that's so great, too, because those three minutes of your mindfulness training to get kids not focused on maybe dreading what they're going to be doing, but finding a place where it is coming from joy, where they can work with a parent, or they know they're responsible for something and can take pride in that. And then with that in their mind, sitting down to do homework, I can see how that would be such a transformative effect for these kids. Yep, yep. And it could also take them into a, it, you also want to create, it's also great to create a habit. I know this is really challenging. Um, for parents because you kind of get in, you get everything in where it fits in in your busy life. Um, but that's a really great way to stop, pause, take a moment to kind of ground and then create like a habit so that they know instinctually it becomes sort of a subconscious trigger, right? Like instinctually, okay, it's time to calm down now and now I'm going to settle myself and focus. And they're, they're not thinking the way I'm speaking, obviously, but, but it's subconscious and so it just becomes a natural habit for them. And that's amazing because I think because we are so busy these days and kids are doing more and more activities and parents are, are acting like the taxi service, taking them from one place to the next, that finally when they make it home and they've had dinner and it's time for homework, there's a desire to just want to get it done. But I think taking a step back and, and making this a habit and doing the watering of the plants and clearing out their space to make sure it's not cluttered to create any more anxiety in them really is such a simple little thing that parents can do to transform their space at home and make homework joyful if that's exactly. even a possibility. If that's, if that's even possible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. Or at least make it more bearable, right? Yeah. Right, and you talked about, so we talked about the plants, we talked about some colors. What are some tips for parents now that, you know, homework is definitely coming, you know, in the near future, when they're thinking about creating spaces for their kids to learn and, and do their work, what are some other tips besides having maybe a plant or two, having some beautiful soft colors in the background? How else can they transform the space to make it one that's inspiring for their kids? So that's a great question. So if they are, um, if a parent is thinking about, first of all, everything needs to have a place and that includes the space they're going to be doing their work in. So first and foremost is sort of carving out that space in the home, wherever it is that is associated in activity and also in the child's mind as the place they're going to, that this is the place that, where I work. And even if it's just one end of the table, that one end of the table is cleared of clutter. If it's a desk, that desk is, um, you're, you've considered lighting, you've considered sound, you've considered temperature. We can't always control things like sound because maybe it's a shared space. Um, but for instance, obviously the best situation is to have a quiet space. Um, but background music isn't bad either. And sounds of nature or rain is actually the optimal the, op the optimal background sound for kids. So maybe they have their headphones on and maybe you've like downloaded the white noise app and you can use, you know, sound of raindrops or sounds of nature. This is just thinking creatively here. Obviously, sure. we want to do this. Um, another thing to consider I mentioned, which was lighting. Uh, you want to make sure that wherever they're working, it's not a shadowy space. 
So even if you need to bring over a lamp and like plug it in somewhere and set it on the table, think about the lighting you want to make because because shadows and um, that sort of sleepy yellowish light can really lead to sleepiness, right? And we want to avoid that. We want to keep them up and energized and focused. So having good light, um, full spectrum is ideal, but obviously whatever works in your home, if you need to bring a lamp, that's fine. Um, or add a lamp, that's fine. What else? Um, temperature is very interesting, actually. So I think people tend to think that uh, studying in a cooler setting works better, um, but actually it's been proven that 68 degrees and below, you have, there's a 40, there was a study done that 44% more errors were done in temperatures that were 68 degrees or below. So the warmer, the better, actually. Um, you don't want to go past, I wouldn't say go above 79, but 77 degrees is actually, you're 98% more likely to be productive. And that's also been studied. So 77 is the optimal uh, temperature. And also avoid having them work directly near or underneath the AC vent or the heat. Um, you want to have a really even temperature um, in the space where they're working. So we're adding plants, we're thinking about lighting, we're thinking about temperature, you're thinking about sound. Those are some of the main ones. And also uh, clutter. You want to make sure their space is free of clutter and mess, you know, and piles of paperwork because Again, that's one of the more subconscious elements of anxiety. And there are a bunch of statistics here. I can't remember a specific one, but I do know there was a study done, a Stanford study done, if I'm not mistaken, about clutter and how um, it, it literally raises your blood pressure and anxiety. So be very mindful of making sure the space is, is clear of mess. And I have to giggle a little bit because the piles of things and, you know, in my office, not everything has its space. And in my kids' in my kids' rooms, there's definitely some clutter happening. So I have to laugh a little bit because I didn't really equate having clutter to having anxiety. So that's interesting to me that by removing some things that are extra, that don't need to be there, can help us be more calm and more productive. That's really quite remarkable because when I go into a lot of classrooms, there is, like you said, there's something on every single wall and everything feels kind of jumbly. So I can see how being able to minimize some of those things can help children focus a little more. Absolutely, absolutely. And also I'm a big fan, both in school design and in homes, of uh, multifunction, right? Because the idea is life is messy, right? Spaces are, kids are messy, we're all messy. And so we don't want to fight the mess per se if we're looking at it as, oh my God, I have to avoid mess because there's really no avoiding mess. <laughs> but what we can do is just like learn, it's kind of like that Zen Buddha, right? We, we, we are the calm in the storm. So through multifunctional furniture, um, through thinking about having flexible spaces, we can create... Um, we can create an environment that sort of works and flows with the mess and allows us to find some uh, 
balance, some clarity, some space and room for focus. So in your, in your example, for instance, if you're talking about your kid's room, um, I'm an advocate of bins. Bins are really awesome because you don't necessarily need to organize what's in the bins, right? It's like an easy cheat, but you know that you've got this one bin, you can pull out, dump everything in, and then maybe like put it back in its little cubby, and the cu everything looks visually neat, even though there's some mess and <laughs> right? Because we have to allow for the mess to exist because there's no, there's no real getting rid of it unless we have somebody coming in every day to like clean and God bless the people that do, um, you know, and is able to really keep things very, very organized. But there's a way to kind of find quick and easy uh, tips or ideas for, for cheating our way to organization, if that makes sense. I love that. You said not to fight the mess, but make it to put it in a way that it's more visually appealing. So the bin idea is amazing. I better go get some of those today for, for my space and for my kids' spaces so they can just kind of put them in the bin, close the lid, and it's still messy. But when I walk in, I don't have to be tripping on things as I walk them in at night. Yeah. And then there's like, you can pull it out at a later time. So sometimes, if, especially if you're in a multi-use space, right? There were these like coffee tables, you know, not everyone has a large home. So maybe you're going to be, your kid's going to be doing their homework in the living room and other people are doing things at the same time. But there were coffee tables now where you can actually open the top of the coffee table, lift up like a, a higher table area. So it becomes almost like a, like a movable desk and you can, you can tuck that table, you can eat on it, you can do homework on it, and then you can tuck it back in to the coffee table, close the lid and it turns right back into this gorgeous coffee table again, right? So it's just thinking about easy ways. If you have a space on your table where you're going to have, or it's your desk, for instance, they're working at your desk to do their homework in the evening. You know, you can take, if you have this bin on the side, you can move your stack of papers, put it into the bin, move it to the side, give them their own setup and space to kind of focus and, and begin to, to do the work they need to do. That's amazing. That's my task for today. It's a holiday here in our area. We have the fair is in town, so it's fair day. So maybe I'll spend my fair day finding ways to better organize my kids' space and my space so I can get rid of the clutter. That would be amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's, our, it's all of our biggest uh, struggle or our biggest challenge. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one because I sometimes oh, yeah. feel that when I look around and there's just this giant explosion that I'm feeling a little overwhelmed and not even knowing where to start. So hopefully by implementing some bins and being able to have a process for keeping things organized that will help keep the calm in the house. Absolutely. Especially Absolutely. as we head into homework time and it was just our first week back to school. So we, you know, there's not been a lot of homework yet, but I know it's definitely coming. Absolutely. It's on its way. The dun dun dun. <laughs> so can you share a story with me of how you've gone into a school and transformed their space and maybe some of the, the results that have come from the aftermath of you being in there? Um, so I have a, so, well, this is a really touching, touching moment for me was um, this before the kids actually came in, I had a staff and we were installing this like um, museum style installation of these images of the kids. I think I mentioned that a little earlier in this, in this interview. Um, and we were putting one of them up and it was just so, I mean, so adorable, but really well, it was taken by a, the professional photographer and, um, we were putting one up and a teacher passed and she stopped in her tracks. She looked at the picture 
And it was like a moment she just had. She didn't, it wasn't even like she was talking to us. She just stopped and looked at it and she said, this is why I do the work that I do. And then she like paused, looked at it longer and then walked away, like walked back down the hallway. But it's, it's, it's so impactful. That moment is such a great um, example of the impact of environment on uh, on education because education and learning and teaching is so much bigger than just the child sitting down and acing a math test, right? It's about what the educators are putting in, what they're bringing into the door every day, um, the work that they put into it, you know, where their heart and where their center is when they come into a school. And it's, it's just like a lot of different elements that come together to, to, make your child a happier child, a, a more, you know, a smarter child, uh, a healthier child. It's like, and so, so that to me was just a really touching, um, a touching experience and example of how changing the spaces and really being mindful of what we're creating in a school space and even in our home spaces around learning, it affects many people. Because the way that you feel when you come into your home is going to affect how you deal with your child when they're doing their homework. Same thing goes for teachers. Um, and so that's one example. Another, I think, um, I've just heard a lot of feedback. Sometimes I'm actually not there in the school once I finish doing the work and the, the space has been, the, the redesign has been installed. I'm not necessarily there, but I'll hear feedback from educators about um, how the parents and, and students reacted when they came back in the space to like a brand newly designed school. And most of the schools I've worked with are not, uh, they're not, some, most of them. So some of them have been newer buildings, but most of them are older buildings. And just coming in and doing like what are, what's ultimately simple changes, right? We're thinking about the painting. How are we painting the school? Like what are we doing around furnishing? Um, what kind of visual branding do we have up on the wall? So sometimes it's just reinforcing values. Um, like I have great posters that say be kind and then um, another poster that, that gives the years there. So they know they're coming into junior high school, but this is the year they're going to go to college. And so it's got that in the poster. It's just like really inspirational. Um, and so I've heard tell that the students and the parents come in and they're like, Oh my God, they're so excited. There's just like a lot of energy. Um, there's a lot of focus. I know for one, there's a school that I did about the, actually this first, the first school that I did, um, I was told their, their test scores have incrementally improved um, wow. in that following year. So obviously I can't attribute that solely to the spaces that I came in and redesigned, but at the same time, there are many components that go into to improving test scores and it's not just how much a child studies. And that's been, that's been researched. So we know that space and environment is a very, very big component of that. And what amazing stories that you have to share. And it must just be an amazing feeling for you to know that the work that you do is so impactful and it touches so many lives. It is, um, it's, I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> like, it really is a joy. It's a real joy. It's not, um, it's not a job. I've heard another that's not my that's not my uh, quote, but it's a great it's a really great quote, and it's applicable to the way I feel about the work that I do. Um, there's also this book called The Prophet, which is one of the best books I've read. If you're into like spirituality and uh, intention, and one of the lines in the book, the prophet is, uh, "Love is work made visible," 
or rather the other way around. So work is love made visible. And, um, yeah, it's exactly, that's exactly how I feel about the work that I do. It's really, um, it's just as much a blessing to me, um, to do it as it is to the, the students who receive it. And my, and I also have like a lineage of educators in my family. So there's something, I always say I missed my calling. I was supposed to be a teacher. And so I'm finding another way to sort of be involved in education because my mom was a teacher and a principal. My great aunt was a principal um, in Haiti, actually, until she was like 82. So wow. <laughs> my sister's a teacher and now she's a, a regional director of operations at a charter school in San Francisco. So there are a lot of educators in my family. Um, and it's something I feel really strongly about. That's amazing. And I love that our paths have crossed that because what you're doing in the world, you're helping schools and teachers and kids and parents to understand the impact of design, which is a creative pursuit and it's full of art. And what we do here on the podcast is also about helping parents find ways to raise smarter kids. And the fact that a space that we create at home or at school can really have such a profound impact on our kids. Gosh, that's really phenomenal to me that our paths to this day have crossed. It's perfect. It was perfect, perfectly timed. Perfectly timed. Absolutely, absolutely. So I know your time is very valuable. I, I want to make sure that our listeners um, are able to connect with you if they have more questions about design. Maybe their schools are looking to design or redesign some classroom spaces. What is the best place for them to reach you? So that's a wonderful question. I'm really glad you asked because I love to connect with uh, people that can use my services. Um, so I do both uh, in-home or uh, e-consultations for parents who are looking to optimize their uh, learning spaces and also for parents who are looking to create, to, to just look into interior design. Maybe they wanna design a space that is both kid friendly and also stylish and fabulous and beautiful for adults. Um, so I do both of those things and I also uh, work with schools and educators and I can be found on, uh, it's my name, so it's www.magalierenehays.com and that's M-A-G-A-L-I-E R-E-N-E-H-A-Y-E-S.com. Um, you can also look up uh, kidsmartspaces.com. So either, either or. That's great. And I will make sure that I put links to both of those places in our show notes so our listeners can go directly to you and, and jump in there and see what you do and the amazing work that you're doing for schools, teachers, and families. Absolutely. It's really been a pleasure to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. Of course. And before we leave, I know that you're in the process of writing your first book. Can you tell our listeners what your book is going to be about, who it's for, and how they can help you? Absolutely. Yay. So excited. So when you go on the website, actually on either of them, um, but particularly MagalieReneeHayes.com, uh, there's a link that takes you into a video that I shot about the book. Um, and my first book, it's my first book, hopefully one of many, but the first it's called um, Kids Smart Spaces, Creating a Classroom That Changes Lives. Uh, and you can support by heading over to the website, taking a look at the video um, and learning more there. There's also, um, I am still raising funds. I had a, a really successful Indiegogo campaign uh, that has actually helped me a great deal. I've had, I've transcribed some amazing interviews, one with Doug Lemov, who wrote Reading Reconsidered and uh, Teach Like a Champion. Um, so yeah, there's, there are a number of ways that you can support. Just take a look, head over to the website and uh, take a look at the video. 
Fantastic. So before we say our goodbyes today, is there one little tip parents can take away? I know you have shared so many valuable tips today. Is there one little piece of advice you would love parents to walk away after having listened to this podcast today? Absolutely. It's actually something that I didn't mention before. And as you, once you talked about art, I was like, ah, so I'm really glad you asked. So as you've been sharing with your, uh, with your audience, art is so important. It's so important. And being able to, uh, having children be able to express their creativity and think outside the box and just the freedom that art gives them to find themselves and their identity and be themselves. I think that's a huge influence and has such a big impact on their ability to learn and how they learn. It increases their self-esteem. And I could go on and on about the benefits of incorporating art in their lives. But in terms of what I do and their spaces, this is another anecdote. I actually went in and I visited a school and the CEO of the school is actually interviewed for my book but it's a school in Trenton, New Jersey. They are in one of the worst districts in the country in terms of like poverty and, and a bunch of other things, but they are headed towards being a blue ribbon school. And it's because their school space is absolutely astounding. It's on, it's right outside of Trenton and it's on an estate. They just happen to be really lucky. It functions as a public school. So it's really, it's a public school. It's a charter school, but it's a public school. And they have on their walls, the lining, their, the entire length of their walls is various art projects by their students. Mm. Um, and they have really put a lot of emphasis on art in their school. They have a really great arts teacher. Um, and the, the school is called the Village Charter, if anybody wants to look into it. But in any case... Um, art is just one of the primary ways to improve problem solving, creative thinking, to improve cognitive skills, uh, retention, to help their self-esteem, um, to give them, to give kids confidence, to be themselves, to engage, to be unique, to be dynamic. It's just such a wonderful thing. So I have loads to talk, to say about it, but yeah, I would definitely incorporate that into your learning spaces at home. And I'm a definite advocate of that in schools as well. That's amazing. And, and just the, the passion that you have for arts and for kids and being able to help them grow into great individuals and leaders. I, it's just so inspiring. And I want to thank you for sharing your story. And I think that we need to have a follow-up interview to talk more about creativity and problem solving, because I think that there's maybe a little bit of a lack of that in schools and maybe we should, we should brainstorm some ways that we can help parents incorporate more of those aspects into their home lives with their homework and as they help to raise their kids. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most important things that a parent can do um, outside of the school because it's just one of the things that funding has been removed from right in school. So there's no, there's no guarantee that they're going to be exposed to that in their education system at school. So it is one of the most important things parents can do at home. Um, and there are a lot of different ways to be creative and to be artistic. So yeah, I'd love to do a follow-up with you about it. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll make sure that we get that uh, scheduled so we can let parents know more about that because like you, I'm so passionate about that and being able to equip parents with very simple tools and tactics that they can incorporate every day into their very busy lives. So I Absolutely. want to thank you so much for being here with me today. I've had an absolute blast and I look forward to hearing more about your book and when it launches and connecting very soon again. 
I'm so excited. It was really great to be here. I love chatting. I feel like we really connected Absolutely. on all. <laughs> yeah, so, so wonderful, wonderful being here and chatting. All right, I'll talk to you very soon. Talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share us with a friend and head on over to iTunes and leave us a review there and let us know you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more tips on raising smart kids, head to Amazon.com and pick up a copy of my first book, Raising a Superhero, How to Unleash Your Child's Eight Superpowers and Propel Learning Through the Arts. Thanks for allowing me to be your guide on this parenting adventure, and I look forward to catching you next time.